Well, again, I thank everybody for being here today. And as you know, the Spirit of God has has already nested down on us today. I want to go ahead and move because it's so much easier to minister when the anointing is here. And um, so again, today I'm going to ask you for another 60 minutes. And maybe as these as this series continues, and maybe we won't maybe it won't be as much. I don't know because I'm trying to cover a lot of ground in a little bit of time. Uh, you know, I was telling Brother Welton, you know, I said, yeah, I actually had a chance to sleep in a little bit yesterday morning, but it delayed, it delayed the, uh, the remainder of my study for yesterday. So I spent a good part of my day in my study yesterday just seeking the Lord's face on behalf of this message. You know, and, and again, I, I take very serious what the Lord has placed upon my heart and what He speaks for me to do. He, 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 he tells me to prepare as if I have people beyond what I can see. And so uh, the way I'm going to preach now is going to be no different than I'm going to preach in six months, in a year, in two years, in five years, or until the Lord comes home. Because the calling upon my life is a calling. It's exactly that. It's never an occupation. So there'll be no retirement for me. There, there'll always be a calling to minister. I've seen too many ministers fall into that bracket of, I'm retiring, you know, I'm at retirement age. Well, then, then all you ever had was a job. And I know I may be stepping on some people's toes, but the reality is, is that that's just truth. That is fact, and it's a hard fact. But we'll leave that right there, and we'll let the Lord lead you and minister to you in whatever facet that that may be. So today, uh, we are continuing in our series of Keys to the Kingdom. Keys to the Kingdom. And just like I had promised, we are going to be talking about Foundations 103. Foundations 103 is going to wrap up the remainder of the foundation part of this series. And we'll begin to move on to other Keys to the Kingdom because if we pull out a keychain, we begin to look at it, and a keychain usually has multiple keys on it. I don't know what y'all's keychain looks like, but I've been collecting keys for a, a long time, and I have keys to a lot of doors. So with that being said, we're going we're gonna to go to Isaiah chapter 33, verse 6. Again, this will be the continuing opening of our scripture uh, each week through this series until it's done. But I want this word to be written upon your heart. And you may even be able to quote this by the time that we are finished preaching on this series, Isaiah 33 and 6. And each week, the Lord begins to give me a little bit more insight to this because you notice we've been talking about this for three weeks now in a row. And this will be the third different point that we'll be bringing out about Isaiah 33 and 6. And it reads like this. In that day, what day is that? Right now. He will be your sure foundation, providing a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord will be your treasure. You know, so as we wrap, uh, as we bring to a wrap uh, the part, this part of this series on foundations, I still want to place the emphasis of this key 
to the kingdom to set the stage for the rest of the series. The Hebrew word for foundation means truth, faithfulness. It also means stability, it's stable. You know, it is used to describe God's characters and, and His actions in reference to uh, the complete word study dictionary of the Old Testament. Uh, so Moses described it this way in Deuteronomy 32 verse 4. Because what is he doing here is he's describing God's character. He is the rock. Now do we notice that the rock is, I'm not talking about Dwayne Johnson here, right? Yeah. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Ain't that what he used to say? I don't think he says that no more because he's, he's a movie star or, or, or whatever it is. But he said he is the rock. You see, Dwayne Johnson isn't the original rock. Jesus Christ is the original rock. God is the rock. And it said, and his deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he? You see, as we spoke about last week, we, we brought the reference out in Matthew chapter 7 that Jesus said that, that his word is the rock and that when we build something upon the word, it's going to stand forever. You see, we're, we're too busy trying to build a house in the sand. You see, we, we look at the photos. We, we look at the other things that you may see when a storm surges may come or even when, um, or, or even when tsunamis may come. See, what happens is that they build a house on stilts. Well, what happens eventually? All that, all that dirt begins to erode and it has no solid foundations to keep it in its place. But when we build something on a rock, it's going to stand and when we build our life when we build everything that we do based off the rock based off of god's word then it's going to stand that's why we made the reference earlier just in prayer that that that, that when we seek god's way of doing things then everything else is going to fall into place so before we move on let's just ask the lord to bless our time here today to i see i didn't start my timer and that that might be good for me but bad for y'all but I'm glad that y'all don't hold that against me because we may even finish up early. Who knows? Uh, but that's not even what's important. You know, we, we give so much time to watch a basketball game or a soccer game or to go to a meeting here to do this and go to work. But yet, you know, we, we, we can't give the Lord, a, you know, an hour of our time. You know, when we went to school, you know, well, how long did classes last? You know, 45, 50 minutes. And I know... As, as I got on up in high school, they began to change our schedule, and then classes became 90 minutes long. And, and so if we can sit in class for 90 minutes long and we can give our attention to the teacher, then we're going to give our attention today not to the preacher, but to the master teacher himself to hear what he has to say. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you this day. We thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for how you've watched protected over us lord you brought us all lord safely lord here today lord we did not come father lord to be seen but lord we come to hear what your spirit had to speak to us the church lord we just ask that our eyes would be open lord that our ears would be open to see and to hear lord your revealed knowledge lord given to us lord this morning so lord that we may be transformed into your likeness and into your image lord 
Bless the words that are be spoken, Lord, here today, Lord, that they would not be Pastor James's words, Lord, but yet that they would be your words, Lord. So help us, Lord, as we incline our ears to hear your spirit, Lord, that we would incline our ears to hear you speak, Lord, through my voice today. Bless our time together, Lord. Bless this word, Lord. Let everything that is said and done, Lord, here, Lord, bring you glory and honor, Lord. We bind anything that would try to come against this service today, that would try to come against your word. We have been given power, we have been given authority, and we have been given dominion, Lord, through your word. So, Lord, we, 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 we loosen your anointing, Lord, to take place, Lord, here today, to come and to destroy the yokes, Lord, and to set the captives free. Help us, Lord, to be free and to be free in you. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we glorify you in Jesus' name. And the saints say amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So we're, we're, we're going to continue to reference here uh, something that we'll continue to do every week as well about what a key is. And as we've spoken, a key can represent many things, but I want to bring out the gist of what a key is. A key is something that associates power because if I give you a key to my house, Richie, what does that mean? You can come in and you can go as you please. If I've given you a key, then everything in this house is free reign. If I give you the key to my car, Brother Wilton, what does that mean? That means Brother Wilton's going for a ride. He, he's going boogieing. You know, so if we give somebody a key to something or when we have a key to something, that means we have the power and we have authority for it. So, so let's continue with our definition here. A key is something that associates power, authority. It's also foundational, it's primary, it's fundamental, and it's a priority. A key is something we use to unlock doors, a next level, and, a, and fulfilling a purpose-driven life you know so as we continue this series we'll move a little deeper into the fundamentals of our duties and obligations to living in jesus uh, let us continue our reading in scripture uh hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 through 6 uh you know and as we continue we'll, we'll move a little bit deeper and we'll dive a little bit deeper into these parts that are that are making up uh, this foundation. So in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 it says this. So let us stop going over the basic teachings. Now let's just stop right there again for just a minute. What, what is a basic teaching? Elementary. Something that's at the beginning. So it's like the ABCs. You, you got to know your ABCs before you can spell, right? You got to know how to add and subtract before you can multiply and divide. These are elementary teachings. In other words, what he's saying here is that as we refer back to chapter 5, he said that by this time, you should be teaching others. He said, but I've got to go back again and I've got to teach you these basic things again. So, so what we're having here is if, if, if at any point in our walk we've noticed that we've not been maturing in Christ, okay, so here's your foundation. Here's what we're going back to. So what Pastor James is doing, what the Holy Spirit's doing here, more importantly Holy Spirit's doing, is that He is teaching you and going to show you 
how to mature in your walk with God. You see, how else can we move on to the other things until we grasp the things that's being placed here before? So today, you know, we're going to continue this foundational doctrine here, and it continues to read this way. He said, let us go on instead and become more mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting of sins. Now let's just stop for a second. Is anybody who, who, what's the definition for repenting? Change of heart that's manifested by the way that we live. So, so repentance is a manifestation. It's not just words. There's actions behind these words. And then it continues, he said, repenting from evil deeds and placing your faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptism and laying on of hands. Now we spoke a little bit last week about the baptisms of, of the Word and what the Word has to say about baptism. You know, I went back... And scripture has said, you know, a scholar said that there were seven, there's seven baptisms that's mentioned in the word. The Lord only instructed me on four, so you can go back and do your homework uh, and see what the others are. But, but they are all closely related in that, in that sense. And the word to baptize, the Greek word is baptizo, which means to dip, to emerge, to, uh, to cover up. You know, so and there was a covering of water. You know, which is a water baptism. There's a water into Jesus Christ or into death. Uh, there was a there was a uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and there's a baptism of fire. And and I believe that they're all equally important, but they're also a stage that we begin to 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 move into. And and the baptism of fire has been so important in my life because it, it's done what it has removed those things, or or and it is still removing those things from my life that are not of God, those things that have caused me to be impure. And the laying on of hands we talked about, is it's an impartation. It's an impartation. It's me conveying to you what God has placed upon me. And we used the very example about Peter when he walked the streets and, and, the, and the crippled man was there and he said, and, and then he was begging for money. He was, he was wanting some money. And Peter said, silver and gold have I nine. But that which that I have, I give to you. So he reached out and he grabbed him by the hand. So he touched him. He laid his hand upon him. So what did he do? He transferred what he had. He transferred his health. He transferred his power, his authority over to you. And as we did that last week, as we laid on hands on one another, and we began to, we began to transfer it from the pastor on down to the body, the anointing that, that's upon my life and that's upon your life, and the things that God wants to convey to you as well. So, so all kind of real fast, that was a, a quick recap of the last two weeks that we've spoken about. And, and I won't be able to recap every single week because we begin to get into more revelation and more revelation and more revelation. Um, you know, but this week we, we will be covering and bringing the heart of the Father in reference to the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Uh, these are, again, these are some of the fundamental things that uh, maybe we didn't hear a lot about when we were coming up in church or when we were raised in church or as we have went to church. You know, nobody's talking about these things. And, and I think that they're so important to be spoken about because they're fundamentals. They're keys. And keys unlock things. Key opens things. So the resurrection of the dead is a reference about the very thing that will happen 
after we die. But have you really noticed how the other keys and foundational parts have led us up to this point? Because we repent of our sins and we turn to God and then we begin to practice the baptisms. You know, this, this whole procedure that's taking place and now we're talking about resurrection of the dead. See, you see what Jesus has spoken about here is our whole lifespan. Everything that would take place during this lifespan here. So, so let us start by defining resurrection. Resurrection means to live again or to raise to life or to raise. So let us start here in John chapter 5 verses 25 through 29. And here was Jesus speaking. So maybe I should start changing my letters to red because in most of our Bibles, it is a red letter edition Bible, which means that these are the scriptures, these are the things that physically came out of Jesus' mouth. So it says this, he says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, let's just stop for a second. Why would he say truly, truly twice? Well, that just happens to be a Greek phrase. When something's mentioned twice, that means he's placing emphasis on it. So when he says, truly, truly, I say unto you. So he's saying, truly, I say unto you, or I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment. So we're already seeing Jesus using a key principle here. Because what did he do? He gave him authority. He transferred authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Verse 28, he said, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear my voice. Let's stop. It said, Who will hear his voice? All. Every single one of us. So I'm going somewhere with this. Follow me if you will. Um, are in the tombs and will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So we already see in here that everybody is going to be resurrected. Whether it's good or whether it's bad. I didn't make this up. We see this in Scripture right here that this is exactly what Jesus had to say. And the Word says that heaven and earth will pass away before my Word does. So we know that this is divine truth that's being spoken here. So here we can see that Jesus made a reference about resurrection. And His resurrection included all that were dead. Not just some, but all. And I want to place the emphasis on all. A L L. And I think there was a washing powder back in the days, and maybe it's still around. It's called all. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't know where that came up, but, but that just kind of made me think back to my childhood. But it was all. It's including everything and everyone. Then And then he begins to separate the all into two categories. So in category one, we see this. Number one, resurrection of life. The qualifications of this type of resurrection is one that is good. 
But the world has a different view of what good is. Man's standard of good does not align with what God has ordained as good. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12, it says this, There is a path before each person that seems right, but its end is death. There's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it's eternal judgment. It's eternal. It's, it is death. It seems right. So when something seems to be right, man, man, this just feels right. Just This feels like destiny. This feels like that this should be taking place here. But, but what is the path that, that we are told to walk on? It says that, that, that the, the path that leads to hell is what? Is wide and broad. And many, he said many. What does the word many mean? A lot. But to get even more specific with that, it means the majority. Because many means the majority. And what's the majority? 51%. That's at minimal is 51%. And he said many will follow that path. He said, but few, and what's few? Minority. And that's 49% or less. Will follow the path that's straight and narrow, but that it leads to eternal life. Like I said earlier, we, we spend too much time focused on us and other things around us instead of just, just doing God. You see, because we're living in a time, ladies and gentlemen, Scripture has has been fulfilled and, has, and is being fulfilled for the past 50 and 60 and 70 years. So much Scripture has been fulfilled. And I believe with all my heart, we are on the brink. What does the brink mean? We're on the edge. We're on the edge of Jesus coming back to receive those that are following after his name. And those that aren't will be the many on that road that is broad and it leads to destruction. This type of resurrection will be in correlation to what God has called good. The resurrection of life. The resurrection, number two, the resurrection of judgment. The qualifications of this type of resurrection is those that have done and are continuing to do evil. This type of evil is not the reference of what man calls evil, but what God calls evil. And this is simply the opposite of what God calls good. So, so there's so many things that God calls evil that that man don't see as bad because man has created a moral and ethical standard of good when we have gotten out of the commission of what God has called and what He has established as good. And if we don't know what good is, I think that it's time that we pick up our Bible and we begin to, to find out what God has labeled as good and what God has labeled as bad or what God has called evil because evil is just actually it is the opposite of what God has called good so so let's look at another example that Jesus spoke about turn will be the Matthew 25 
verses 31 through 34, verses 41 and verse 46. For those that are joining us via YouTube, uh, you'll be able to see these words here on the screen as they're displayed and those that are here in the congregation will see as well. But here's what Jesus, again, Jesus spoke this again. So in verse 31, he said, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will set upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Verse 34, and said, Then the king will say to those on his right, which are his sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the, from the creation of the world. And in verse 41, Then the king would turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones. You uh, enter into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. In verse 46, And they will go away and to, uh, go away into eternal punishment, and the righteous will go into eternal life. Now let's just stop for a second. If close your eyes for just a moment, those that may be online or may be listening via podcast, uh, just take just a moment, just close your eyes. And as you begin to hear the sound of a sheep, now picture the sound of a goat. Do they not sound the same? Do they look the same though? You see, there's too many people that has, you can open your eyes now, there's too many people that has labeled themselves as a sheep when the reality is, is that they're a goat because they're only mimicking something else that's, that's, that is the truth. You see, but God said that He was going to separate the two. See, that's why I say it's not enough that we call ourselves Christians, but yet that, that we walk in reference to how God has called us to. And he said that he'll separate him. So again, we, we see the separating that will take place again at this resurrection. At the resurrection that will take place here. To, to make this fair, uh, we must view this reference of, of resurrection of the dead or the separating of the sheep and the goats in the aspect of spirit, soul, and body. When we get saved or when we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sin, and to create in us a clean heart, we are living in three manifestations. We're listed here and they're, they're on your paperwork as well. Number one is justification. Justification is this, is our spirit or the actual and the most realest part of us because it said when, when Jesus had made man and formed him from the dirt, what did, what did they do? He breathed air into us. He breathed his life into us. He breathed spirit. So the word breathe in the Hebrew is spirit. He placed his spirit inside of us. So, so when, we, when we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sin and to create in us a clean heart, our spirit man becomes instantly saved or redeemed. It's instant. It's just like that. Because when we, when we have said, Lord, forgive me of my sins, clean, clean me, create in me a clean heart, O oh Lord, do we not instantly begin to feel different? 
there becomes a glow about somebody's face. And I, I, just, I don't know how much of that that we really see anymore, but, but that, it's one of the signs of, of just the genuineness because when Moses had went and had spent time with the Lord uh, in getting the Ten Commandments from the Lord, it said that he had spent so much time in God's presence when he came back, they had to place a veil over his face because his face was glowing. See, we, our appearance begins to change. Our appearance begins to change as we spend time with the Lord. Let's move on here before I run out of time today. Number two is sanctification. Sanctification is our soul, which is our heart and our mind, being saved or being redeemed. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a process. A process that we see in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And Paul spoke to the Roman church and he said this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, let's stop. Who's he talking to? Brothers and sisters? Or in some translations it may say the brethren, but nevertheless he's talking to the church. So, so here, here, right here we see he's not talking to sinners because if you're the church, then he is talking to the saints. As you begin to read the New Testament, you will, you will so truly see that it's often a reference to brothers and sisters. See, and these, these are instructions. This is guidance on, on the life of how we're supposed to live. The only thing that, that, that the Scripture had to say to sinners was, hey, repent of your sins and turn to God. So in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he said, So brothers and sisters, he said, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. How, how will He find our sacrifice acceptable? By the way we live. By the way we live. That's how we know that it's acceptable if we're not living that into God, then it's not acceptable. The kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Here we can we can just so clearly I know we're talking about resurrection today, but but this is a part this is a part that must take place before we can be that resurrection of the of life and not the resurrection of judgment as we spoke about in just a couple previous verses. It's just so important here that he says don't copy the customs or behavior of this world. So let me ask you a question. And Richie would probably do this because I know him, because <laughs> he, because he's a daredevil too. If I was to jump off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? No. Well, why not? Uh, it's not uh, oh, you can't swim. That's right. But Richie would do it, wouldn't he? Maybe I don't know. If I was to jump off of a ten-story building, would you jump off a ten-story no. building? Well, because we, the nonsense of what takes place. When that happens, maybe jumping off the bridge wasn't a perfect example, but maybe for mom it was because mom can't swim. But the reality here is that is that, do we do something just because somebody else is doing it? But he said, don't copy the customs and the behavior of this world. What's he referring to? He, there was so much idol worship that took place 
not just in biblical days, but even in our days to now, because not so many of us have a little statue that we have set up here that we're worshiping. Our, our statues, our idols have become so many other things. And what is an idol? An idol is anything that comes between us and God. Anything that we place before our relationship with God. Our marriage can be an idol. Our house can be an idol. Our job can be an idol. I want to be very blunt with this and say this as well, that ministry can become an idol because we get so focused in the process of, of doing ministry that we have forgotten the reason of why we're really ministering. Excuse me. Bless your holy name, Father. Uh, and number three here is glorification or receiving our glorified bodies. This happens at the resurrection of the dead, of receiving our glorified bodies. And Paul spoke about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 38. Uh, we actually have quite a bit of scripture here, but I want to read it to you and I want you to follow along with me uh, on the screen if you may. Verse 35, it says it this way, it says, But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will be grown, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. When God gives in, then God gives it the new body he wants to have a different plant grows from each kind of seed. So that means my glorified body is going to look different than your glorified body, but we're going to take on the image of Christ. We're, we're not just going to have that image in our mind of being and acting like Christ. We're going to actually receive a glorified body, one that will never perish, one that will have hair if I so choose to have hair. I may have my teeth if I so choose to have all my teeth. I might even be fatter than what I am. I, I don't know. But I think I could be skinny if I want to. It's going to be glorified. It's going to be perfect. It's not going to be have all these imperfections that our body has now. You know, if we begin to even refer back to Scripture, you know, when Jesus came back after He had resurrected from the dead, it, that Jesus was suddenly appearing in places. So that means... So if Jesus will be able to do it because he received his glorified body, then that means we'll be able to appear in places. We'll be able to walk through walls if we want to. We may be able to zoom across the sky. We'll be able to, there'll be no limits to what we can and can't do because we won't be, we won't be confound to this body. We won't be confound to the natures of gravity and, and to the laws of physics and things of that nature. And I know I'm getting off key here a little bit, but I did want to paint that picture in your head that we will receive a different body if we continue to walk with God. In verses 42 through 44, it says this, In that same way with the resurrection of the dead, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to life forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as a natural human bodies, but they will be raised as a spiritual bodies. 
For just as there are natural bodies, there are spiritual bodies. Verses 50 through 55. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, again, he's talking to the church. He's talking to, to, to people that are not just labeling themselves as Christians, but people that are walking such as. He says, for I say, for I am, for what I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies can be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? And I know I said that backward, but that's okay. You understood what I was saying. So, so as, we, uh, as we spend a little more time talking about the resurrection of the dead, um, you know, we, we could spend so much more time about that but the reality is, is that one day we're going to shed these bodies because this body was made from the what when we've ever go to a funeral service at the end usually the pastor the preacher will begin to take dirt and he'll say from ashes to ashes dust to dust because how was man created man was created from the dirt and the dust of this earth you know and god just breathed into it so let me just take it for this example you take a glove you got a glove, and a glove has no life into it until you do what? Until you stick your hand in it. And when you remove your hand from it, then that glove is just a glove. It's no good for anything no more. You know, as we refer back to the book of Matthew, you know, it says, it says, those that worship the Lord must what? Must worship Him in spirit and in truth. It's our spirit man that's so desiring to worship God. Our spirit man is always wanting us to go closer and move closer to God so so that just kind of in a nutshell as quick as I could today uh, but trying to be explanatory about it that this is that resurrection of the dead that 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 Jesus had spoke about and that's spoken about throughout scripture the resurrection of the dead and remember that there'll be two resurrection everybody will be resurrected but they will be separated into two different categories uh, so as we move on, uh, let us define what judgment is because the second part of, of this lesson today, the second part of this sermon is in reference to eternal judgment. So, so uh, uh, we'll get to the word eternal here in a minute. I want to talk about what judgment is. So let's start with defining what judgment is. Judgment means this. Very simple. It's a decision an award or in a sentence so when we go to court and the judge passes his judgment on us then he's made a what he's made a decision he's made a decision that will either award us or it will sentence us to something so that so so the meaning of this word is really no different other than what it means to us even in the greek so as we place the first part in um 
So as we place the first part in from the judgment, we have an eternal judgment, meaning that judgment, decision, award, and sentencing has no end because eternal is forever. So, so, uh, but it's hard to fathom with a 70 or 80 year mind concept because that's all we know, right? That's all we really see people live is 70, 80, maybe 90 years. And on occasion, you may see the 90, uh, you know, and just earlier, it was the latter part of last year, I seen where somebody had almost reached 100 years old uh, and was in good health, but you know, it was their time to go and they had lived a good life. They had fought the fight. And, and the Lord had called them on home to be with Him. You see, but our mind concept, our thinking process is is just that is all we can understand is 70 and 80 years because when 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 somebody uh, when the younger person looks at me and they see that i'm 45 i don't mind sharing my age i'm still young enough to share but they say man you're old dude i'm not really old i'm i'm old in reference to you because all you understand is 17 years old or 20 years old or 25 years old you know, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, as I get older, I don't see somebody that's 65 or even 70 as being old no more. I don't. But a, but a thought process is that, that is, that's a ripe old age. So, so we have that concept of it because we, it's hard for us to fathom what eternity is. So I want to place an example here for you and maybe try to very, very, very little explain eternity just a smidget of eternity so we've all drove on i-40 right and when we come out of wilmington there's a sign that says barstow california anybody seen that sign i know we all have i'm sure we've seen it so many times that we probably even overlook it now but it says 2554 miles to barstow california which is the end of I-40 because I-40 ends right before Wilmington. It doesn't go through Wilmington. And it's just the same way with I-40, it, it just ends in Barstow, California. That's not all the way to the West Coast. But the reality is, is that that's a long ways. And if we were to, if somebody want to take a guess, if we were to drive nonstop, nonstop, how long would that take us to drive from I-40 in Wilmington to I-40 in Barstow, California. He says 32 hours. Anybody else want to venture on that? Non-stop now. That's no bathroom breaks. That's no gas break. That's just all the way through. I don't think nobody's got to tank that big. Though. One day and 11 hours. Non-stop. That's still, that's still a long time to sit in a car and to ride non-stop no bathroom breaks none of that that's that's a long ways so 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 to try i mean again just to to try to explain what eternity is if we were to walk one mile every year from here to california it would take us 2554 years well it's hard for us to understand that because Nobody lives that old, right? But just imagine if we were trying to do that. 
if we were trying to walk that, that 2,554 years is not even a drop in the bucket to what eternity is. Eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We've all seen, well, some of us have seen it. Some of us are a little younger, but there was a toy story. And what did Buzz Lightyear would say? To infinity and beyond. And not to try to make the reference for, for anybody to go watch that, but it was something that just rung in me when I was studying. I was like, okay, to infinity and beyond. So to, so to infinity is a finite number, right? So anything times infinity is still zero. Anything times infinity is still zero. Why is that? Because infinity has no end. It has no beginning. It has no end. It exists outside of time. And it's hard for us to understand that because, like I said, all we have is a 70, 80, maybe a 90-year perspective. And when we got to think about eternal judgments is what we're going to talk about now because when we talked about judgment is what? It's a decision, it's an award, or a sentencing. And when you begin to place the eternal over in front of it, it means what? A forever decision. A forever award. A forever sentencing. There's no end to it. It's either you did it or you didn't do it. And I've made this reference so many times that right now while we still have breath in our body, we have that opportunity to repent of our sin. Because when breath leaves our body and when we stand before God for judgment, well, guess what? There's no more redos. There's no more do-overs. There's no more, oh man, I'm sorry. Give me another chance, I'll do it differently. We have that decision right now. Right now. And but yet we don't understand the weight of that decision that plays on us. If I, if I, if I, let's just say I fill this room full of food, just full of food, of sweets, all the bad foods that you eat, everything. And if I said how you eat the next 24 hours is going to determine how you spend the next thousand years. Will we not try to eat cautiously in such a way that we're not going to have an upset stomach because if you start eating a lot of sugars and all, you're going to begin to upset your stomach and you're not going to begin to eat a lot of pork because of blood pressure, high blood pressure and things of that nature, you know, so et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so what would we do? We would live that 24 hours very cautiously. Okay, so we have these 70 and 80 years here, if God allows that, that's going to determine how we spend eternity. Why are we not spending that 70, 80 years with caution in reference to how we're going to spend eternity? Because he said that he was going to separate the two at the end. It's going to be a separating. And remember, they sound to be a lot alike, but they look and they act totally different. They just had the same sound. And I've deviated from my notes here a little bit, but, but that's okay. I want to follow the unction of the Holy Spirit. i got a few more minutes here, and I'm going to try to bring a little bit of justice to, to this. So the Bible speaks about two judgments because, again, these are 
These are judgments. So again, judgment is what? It's a decision, award, a sentencing that is forever. There's no change in my mind. There's nothing that you can do to change that if you've not changed it right now. So the first one that they speak about, and you'll find this in your handout, is the great white throne judgment. This is the humanity's judgment of their sins. So when it reads like this in verse 11, Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15, he said, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, that being God my Father. Thank you, Lord. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. Let's just stop there. Let's just stop for a minute. Nothing's going to be hidden. Nothing will be hidden because our innermost secrets, our motives, our intentions will be revealed. It doesn't matter how much you say, I'll fight it, I'll fight it, I'll fight it. When we stand before God, all truth is revealed. Nothing is hidden before God. So let's continue to read verse 12. And he said, And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books stopped. What did it say? Books. That means there's more than one book. <laughs> did David not say in Psalms 139, he said, Lord, before I had lived one day, you had written my life in your book. You had ordained my life on how I was supposed to live it. So this is going to be one of those books that will be open before us when we stand before God on Judgment Day. Now again, this is, this is the great white throne judgment. So let's continue here. And it said, And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged. So if we're dead, then we become resurrected, right? So when we talked that there will be, there will be, that everyone will be resurrected, but there will be a resurrection of life and there will be a resurrection of judgment. And, uh, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. That means there's someone there, there's someone, there's angels, there's God himself. Someone or something is writing down everything that we're doing. Everything. And none of that can be hidden. Everything will be revealed on that day. It said that they, you know that they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And let's just stop. The sea gave up their dead. The sea that they're talking about is hell itself. It didn't say the lake of fire, hell, because hell is just a holding tank where the demons will torture you will torture you and torture you and torture you. Hell is just a holding tank. The final judgment is the lake of fire because the devil doesn't go to hell. The devil is hell himself. You see, but the devil, the devil's judgment will be the lake of fire. And, and, and hell, and uh, uh, not Hades, but, but the lake of fire was created for the devil and his, his demons. It was never intended for us. But yet there's so many people that's going there every single day because they've rejected truth. They've rejected the very thing that will save their soul. Continue reading verse 13. It said, The sea will give up its dead and the death, uh, and death and the grave will give up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Can we just stop for a second? Can we not see 
what's being said here, that they were judged according to their deeds. What does that mean? By how they lived. By how they lived. It's not enough to say, Lord, I accept you as my Savior, but to live for Him as Lord. So, so, so important. So in verse 14 it says, Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, and you know, and some of us are, you know, may or may not be familiar with this judgment. This judgment will be forever in the presence of God or will be dismissed from the presence of God of God forever you see that that that's that's the reality you know you, you, we, we've all we've all felt that nudge of the Holy Spirit to say hey you should be doing this or man you really broke my heart when you did this or when you said that or things that we knew that we weren't supposed to do and 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 you'll never you'll never be able to to feel a conviction, you'll never be able to to feel God's presence ever, ever, ever again. And it will forever be outside of His presence. It is that eternal judgment that we're talking about. And this will be where the judgment of our acceptance and embracing the cross. This judgment can also be viewed in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. And it says, Not everyone who calls unto me, Lord, Lord, Again, we see the word Lord Lord mentioned twice. That means there's an emphasis or an exclamation point at the end of it. Will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do what? Do the will of my Father will enter. On judgment day, many will say, again we see that word many. What does many mean again? The majority. At least 51%. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me who breaks God's law. Here we can see that it's not enough to call him Lord but to actually carry out the will of the Father. Never enough to be called or labeled as a follower. The, de uh, the denial of these quotes or unquote followers are based off of breaking God's law or simply practicing sin. So, so why, is there so, why is there such a huge disconnect? A huge disconnect about the topic of eternal security. Well, it's simply the difference between man's interpretation and God's interpretation. What man says, what, what man wants it to say, and what God really is saying. I'll say this, and then I'll leave it right here. When we received Christ as our Lord and Savior, we made and still make a conscious decision to neglect everything that is opposite of God. 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 6 says this. He said, everyone who sins is breaking God's law. Can we just stop there and see the comma? Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. 
and you know that Jesus came to take away our sins and that there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues, what does continue to mean? If we begin to look at the word continue here, anyone that is still practicing, anyone that is still participating, anyone who is still living in. So, so um, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. So I don't understand why that there's the big disconnect. I'm not saying that it's by works that any man should boast. But we're not saved because of the good deeds were done. Because no man can do anything that's good enough that gave him heaven. Heaven was a free gift. So if I give you a gift, well, what happens? You either you receive that gift. So, so let me ask you this. If I gave it to you, eventually... Do you have the possibility of sitting that gift down somewhere? Misplacing it? Not remembering where you put it? Walking away from it? What does breaking mean? Especially the I-N-G of that word. Because he said, he, he said in, in verse, uh, verse number 4. In verse number 4, the I-N-G right here. You see that? Everyone see that right there? I-N-G. The ing in that word means a continuous. It's a continuous. It's something that you abide in. It's something that you remain in. So uh, uh, sin is continuing to break God's law, or if we just put it this way, here in a nutshell, is practicing sin. It doesn't mean that we don't sin, because all men have failed and come short of the glory of God. But do we, do we stay down? If we fall down on the ground while we're running, do we just lay there on the ground? What do we do? We get right back up and we keep on going. Anybody that lays there on the ground, it's not going to, they're not going to finish the race because they just lay there and they continue to, to wallow in it. So the, so the Bible says that we must flee the very appearance of sin. So to, so to, be, to be saved or to... Be redeemed is to walk away from a sinful nature and walk in the direction of God's Word. As we spoke about in part in the resurrection of the dead, it is a three-part aspect. Our spirit instantly is made right with God and the operation uh, and the operate in the sanctification process of renewing our minds and our thoughts. That is a process. That is something that has to take place over time. But our spirit man is instantly saved. Uh, do we not recall our first lesson when the writer of Hebrews spoke in Hebrews 5, uh, 11 through 14? And we're coming to a close here just real shortly. And he said, uh, there is much more that I would like to say to you about this. But it's difficult to explain because especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babes who need milk and cannot eat uh, solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature and whose training uh, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So... We, we must 
mature in Christ because a baby doesn't stay a baby forever, right? If we stayed a baby forever, then you know, we'd, we'd be staying at home, we'd be nursing off mom and dad, and we'll never get anywhere in life. All we ever have is what mom and dad's got. You see, the parts in our minds is we want to mature. It's like uh, my daughter and, and Richard getting married here soon. It's like they're, hey, you know, we're ready to be a family. So what does that mean? We're moving beyond mom and daddy, and we're going to do what the scripture says that, hey, you know, that, that we leave mom and dad and we have become twine. We have become one. So when you take a piece of twine, it's different pieces of rope put together that becomes what? Makes it stronger. You'll become stronger in your marriage. You'll become stronger in your relationship with God because, the, you know, Paul said that a sanctified woman will sanctify the, the husband and the husband will sanctify the wife because of the life that we live. So it's important as we'll go through over a lot of that during counseling, marriage counseling, in, in reference to that. So I don't want to jump too far uh, off the boat on that one. Um, but God's calling us to more and more. The second judgment that is mentioned here is the judgment of Christ or the judgment of the believer because we just talked about the great white throne judgment. And I'm getting slim in time, so we're going to uh, we're just we're going to we're going to just lay this out there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 8 through 10 Paul said yes you are fully convinced we are fully convinced and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at the home with our Lord so whether we are here in this body or away from this body our goal is to what is to please him so if we just stop and just think for a minute you know I can never love my daughter or my daughters or my son any more than what I love them right because my love for them is infinite it's no matter what you do but you know what they're in charge of it's making me pleasing to them and them pleasing me them pleasing me they're in charge of how well pleased I am with him. So Paul placed the emphasis here. He said that he said that we make it our goal to please him. Doesn't mean he'll love us anymore. It just means that he'll be more well pleased with us. If we go back to when when Jesus was getting baptized and and then it said and the voice uh, uh, descended from heaven, you know, and it said, "This is my beloved Son, what in whom I am well pleased." Because why? Because he was walking in obedience. He was maturing from being one thing into the thing that God has called him to be. I, I can't stress enough how God is calling us to, to move forward here. He said in verse 10, he said, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. So here we can see that this is a separate judgment than just our sins. Because now we're going to be judged on how pleasing we were to the Lord. So let us continue here. Uh, and we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So if we just stop for a minute, we begin to play, replace the word evil with worthless. So let's read that again. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the worthless we have done in this earthly body. What we do with the cross will determine where we will spend eternity but however the way that we live as believers determines how we will spend eternity let me read that for you again 
what we do with the cross will determine where we will spend eternity. But however, the way that we live as believers determines how we will spend eternity. It's not, not longer from a, it's no longer from a where, but it's a how we will spend eternity. So if we refer back to our statement about imagining eternity, we can see that the eternity is very hard to conceive. But, but, along, uh, but along with this statement, let's add, add to it like this. You, you ready? James chapter 4, verse 14. And it says, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. Who's ever boiled water before? Okay, so what comes up off the water? Vapor. The vapor. But as quickly as you see it, that's how quickly it disappears. And the writer of James, which was the half-brother of Jesus, said this, our life is like a vapor. We're here one minute and we're gone the next. So, so trying to go back to the thought process of what eternity is, is our life is just like that vapor. It's just like the morning fog. It may be here, and then when you get on down the road, it may, it's going to disappear. It, it's, it's just for a moment. So James has stated that our life is, is but a vapor, or if we could say it this way, it's a zero moment in time. It's a zero moment in time. And why is it a zero moment? Because any number times infinity is zero. It's still zero. So this time that we have been allotted to be the reflection of God is to be broken. And, uh, let me start that over again. This time that we have been allotted to be the reflection of God to this broken and cursed world will be the judgment of us believers. Uh, Jesus makes this clear in John chapter 3. And my timer's flashing at me, but I'm just going to just roll right on by it. He says in John chapter 3 verse 15, and we're all familiar with John 3.16, but I want to place this emphasis on something that we're going to read here. And it said, so, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but that the, the, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. Verse 19, And the judgment is based off of this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than they did the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light, and refuse to go near it, or for the fear of their sins will be exposed. If we skip to verse 36, so I want you to read this because it's just stopped for a second. He talked about, we kept hearing the word believe. If any man would believe on me, they would have eternal life. If you believe on me, you shall be saved. So let's, let's place the emphasis on verse 36 because this is still the, the same message that Jesus was speaking here to Nicodemus. And he said, anyone who believes in God's word has eternal life. So we see the word believe again. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remain under God's angry judgment. Now notice the contrast of believe and not obey. 
To believe means to obey, and not believe is to not obey. So if we begin to replace these words with obey instead of believe, then let's read John 3.16 this way. For God so loves the world that whosoever obey him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So to believe is to obey. To believe is to obey. It's you because even the demons believe and tremble. They obey his word because they are what? They're subject to it. So we should be subject to God's word as well. And we're going to find out here how we're going to be subject to God's word in John chapter 12, verses 47 through 48. He said, I will not judge those who hear me, but but those that don't obey me. For I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my, mass, my, my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. If I had a microphone right now, I would be a mic drop. Do they still say that? I don't know. Help me out here. No, I don't know. That. But that would be a mic drop because... What more can you really add or to take away other than this divine truth that was spoken here? So let me just put this in layman's terms for you if I could. Simply said, Jesus said he did not come to condemn the world because the world was already condemned. Why were they already condemned? Thank you, Adam and Eve, because you chose to do something that God told you not to do. So we became condemned to sin. We were, that, was a, that was a part of a punishment. They are condemned because of the love, uh, because they love the darkness more than they love the light. Jesus came to bring us life and that this life is the acceptance of his truth. These truths will be what judges on the day we stand before him to give an account of the cross and how we have lived according to it. So if we know how we're going to be judged, if we, know, if we already know what's going to be on the test, then what do we do? We use, we use the study guide to study, right? But, but why are we not doing it? Because, Lord, I've got something else to do. There's, there's just something else that's just more important. Lord, I just don't understand what your word is saying to me here. Oh, woe is me. I mean, when, 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 when the prophet Elijah came to God and was talking about woe is me, what did God tell him? He said, you know what? He said, why don't you go anoint Elijah as prophet in your place? God don't have time for excuses. God's on a mission, and he's called us all to do something. So let me continue here. He said, so, so in 2 John verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, he said this. He said, watch out that you do not lose what you've worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive a full reward. So who was John? Does anybody who know that Jesus labeled John as? Beloved disciple. The beloved disciple. It was the one that Jesus loved. And Jesus so made that known that he loved John. You know, so, so John written, he wrote quite a few books himself. You know, he wrote the book of John. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He also wrote the book of Revelations. Because on the, in the book of Revelations, he was placed on the island of Patmos, and his eyes were plucked out as his punishment. Now, he was the only person on that island 
the only person on that island. And Jesus came to visit him and gave him the book of Revelations. Now this was when John was such an old man already. So how's he going to write when he can't see? I mean, we're just with God, all things are possible. But, but John talked about, he said, work that you don't lose the full reward. So if you come in first place, then what do you get? You get the first place's reward. If you come in last place, then what do you get? I finished the race. But we are told to run the race that we may receive the prize. A full reward. Man, if I told you, if, if, man, if you get out there and you cut my grass in two hours like I cut it, just use it for example, I'll pay you $500. Well, what's somebody going to do? They want the full reward. They don't want to, okay, well, I'll, I'll be all right with just, you know, a $50 bill. They want the full thing. So, so you know, it's so like I text Brother Welton earlier this week, and you know, it was just one of the things that was on my heart and my mind. You know, do, do, do we... Do we pursue heaven or do we pursue God's presence? We pursue God's presence because if God's presence isn't there, then we don't want it. So when we pursue something to receive a full reward, then that means that there's a partial reward and that there's a no reward scenario here. But John has told us to run in such a way that we would receive the full reward or that we might obtain the full reward. He said, be diligent so that you will receive it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 15. For, for we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on this foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, and straw. But on judgment day, again, we're seeing judgment taking place here again, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. Again, we're seeing reward taking place here. This is a reward. If your work survives, if the if Lord's called you to minister, if God's called you to preach, if God's called you to, to feed the homeless, if God has called you to visit the people in prison, and if you do that in essence of pursuing God's kingdom and trying to build that, well, then guess what? You receive the full reward. So if a person gets up to sing, they want to, they want to join the choir, and we're, we're taking names, by the way, if anybody wants to join the church choir. That was a joke, man. Y'all just kind of staring at me like that. But that's okay. <laughs> but um, if somebody joins the choir just so that they can be seen while they sung, have they done it for the right reasons? No. They did it just to be seen, but yet their heart wasn't to, to be pursuing God. It's just why, I, like I say, I'm not building a church. I'm building and expanding the kingdom of God right here in the Rocky Point area, in the Wilmington Castle Hain area, that, that wherever the Lord sends us is, is what we're going to thrive to do. You know, so, so uh, there's going to be two ways. There's going to be two ways that the believer is going to be judged. Number one, 
It is our involvement in building the kingdom of God. This is a reflection of the calling that God has placed upon your life. If we have been called to be pastors, teachers, evangelists, leaders, followers, or etc., then how we build the kingdom in reference to our calling. Did we use our gifts and talents to benefit us as individuals? Or did we use it to build God's forever kingdom? This same judgment is in reference to every calling underneath God's Lordship. Everybody's not called to be a pastor. Not everybody's called to be teachers or evangelists. We all have a calling upon our life. And the calling that God's placed upon our life, are we using it to build His kingdom or are we using it to bring Him glory? The second part is how we build individuals' lives. What was our influence on people? Where you lead, uh, were you leading people to Christ? Not keeping the gospel just to yourself, but sharing it. What's the gospel mean? The, the gospel means the good news or the news that seems too good to be true. So today I, I want to end. I want to end today with a quote from C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis was such a great author, a great storyteller. Uh, but he was also a Christian man as well. And you can begin to see the resemblance in some of his books that he wrote. Uh, one of them being Narnia, uh, which is a really good movie. Uh, it was based off a kid's movie, but nevertheless, uh, has. Uh, it, it, if you hadn't seen it, then maybe, maybe watch it sometime. But, uh, but to end today's message, we'll, we'll, we'll do a quote from C.S. Lewis. And listen to this. And it said, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for this present world were precisely those who thought more of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Because our mindset has been what's going on right now, what's going to take place next week. What's going to happen when we get married? What's going to happen when, when mom and dad dies? Our, our focus has to be on, on what God's kingdom is. And we can, we can be in no other place. Baby, send us to our music, my love. So, so in ending this today, I, I know that I was lengthy today. But as you can see, I felt like I spoke so fast trying to convey all of this material that the Lord gave me. And in the reality, each one of these six foundations, I probably could have spent an entire lesson itself preaching off of that. And like I said, I know I try to convey so much information. My baby did it again, but it's okay. I love you, sweetheart. She, she is my best IT person. But the reality is, is this, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm not here to bear your patience today, and I know the dogs are trying to do their things, but here's the reality of this, is one day we're going to all die because it says that everyone would stand before God and that He would separate the two, the sheep and the goat, and that there's only, there's only two opportunities that we have in two places that we're going to go. And the reality is, is this, the decision that we make right now, that we make tomorrow, the next day, the day after, is going to be a reflection of where we spend that eternity. So my heart pleads and begs with you today 
that if you've been half-stepping with God, we're not living in a time where it's time to be half-stepping. Even if we don't see what some people will quote-unquote call the rapture take place, it just really means the second coming of Christ. It was once appointed for man to die. And then Paul said, then the very next thing is judgment. And that's the judgment of where you're going to spend eternity, either forever in His presence or forever outside of His presence. And I can't convey to you enough for the emphasis on how important it is to have that relationship and that walk with God. Because all we have is 70 or 80 years. That's only not even a drop in the bucket to what eternity is. What is your decision that you're going to make? I'll be more than glad to pray with you this afternoon if you want to make sure that, that it is forever the decision that it is that you want it to be. But it's only a decision that you can make because I can't make it for you. If I made it for you, then it would not be free will. It's the only decision you can make. Let us close in prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you this day, Lord, for all your blessings. Lord, we thank you for being with us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the entirety of this word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what this word means. Lord, I thank you for each one, Lord, that's here. Lord, I thank you for even those that may be viewing us via YouTube or those that may be chiming in, Lord, through a podcast, Lord, right now. But, Lord, we just take this opportunity, Lord, Lord, that just place that invitation, Lord, that if we don't know you, Lord, that we would. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins. Lord, we repent, Lord, not with a worldly sorrow, but, Lord, with a sorrow, Lord, that leads into repentance as we have studied in these lessons, Father. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us, Lord. Redeem us, Lord, from the very thing, Lord, that is the opposite of who you are. Let us walk in newness of life, Lord, and begin to portray your word, your will, your character. Bless us, Lord, as we part ways, Lord, here today. Be with us, Lord. Keep us safe, Lord. Lord, and if you so desire, Lord, bring us back, Lord, safely, Lord, here again next week. Lord, that we may break bread with one another, Lord, and that we would dive into your heart. Lord, so we just thank you, we praise you, we glorify your holy and your righteous name. In the name of Jesus, amen.